Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Your heart is not set up to be a divided heart. It's one throne within your heart and your soul. One throne, which means that only one person or thing can occupy space on that one throne. And it is either God or it's not. Because he, God, does not share the throne with anybody else. So Jesus is breaking it down very simply for them and for us. You can't serve two masters. It's actually impossible to serve two masters. Do you feel like you have good circumstantial awareness? That is to say, are you able to look around you and analyze and understand whatever circumstance you find yourself in? In today's message, Pastor James gives us a look at Daniel the prophet, who was very aware of the circumstances he was in during the Babylonian captivity. You see, Daniel was able to thrive in his situation because he knew what he was up against, and he purposed in his heart to walk in a way that was pleasing to God. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Daniel chapter 1 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. You can turn to Daniel chapter 1 in your Old Testament, sandwiched in between those major prophets, which means big, long books, and the minor prophets, which means little books, okay? Little, big prophecy books and the little prophecy books. Daniel's right in the middle of those two guys. Daniel is a prophet. Uh, Daniel was actually a person. He was actually a human being, and he actually was a prophet, because I know modern scholars nowadays like to kind of cast shade on Daniel and the actual like authority of this book. And is it, is it true? Is it factual? Is it all allegory and all this good stuff? Now he's actually a prophet and I can prove that to you. Matthew chapter 24, Jesus said, Daniel, the prophet, boom, that's all you need. You can take your experts, you can take all those guys and you can go discuss something else, okay? Because Jesus said, Daniel, the prophet. That's enough for me. That's all I need. (laughs) Um, Human wisdom versus God Almighty. Yeah, I'm gonna go with God Almighty. I think I'm gonna go with him on that. That's a safe bet. So there is a guy named Daniel. Yes, he was a prophet. We'll see that. If you know anything about the book of Daniel, first six chapters are kind of like... um, very personal in, in the sense of his inner workings with other individuals, whether it be other Hebrew young men or crazy kings and all that good stuff. Chapter two really doesn't even mention Daniel, but you get all that stuff. Daniel in the lion's den, all these fun you know, Sunday school lessons. Then the latter half, seven through 12, is all like prophetic. And that's the stuff that you either fall into one of the two categories. Like you really like chapter one through six, or you like chapter 7 through 12, right? Because usually that's how people are like, I kind of like the narrative, the story type stuff. And then some people are like, give me the prophecy, give me the end times kind of stuff because I can camp out there all day. I personally, I find myself immersing more easily into the first six chapters. I love the prophecy stuff. Don't get me wrong. I like that stuff. It's weird. It's trippy. There's some really cool stuff in there and encouraging as well. But when I read through the book of Daniel and study through the book of Daniel, I love the first six chapters. I just really do. 
you'll see that as we go through this. But so we have Daniel. He's a real guy. These stories happen around 605 BC. That's the verse one of chapter one. Daniel says, in the third year of the reign of King Jehoiakim of Judah, that third year of Jehoiakim's reign would be 605 BC. All right. So I'm just kind of mapping this out within your brains as far as time frame of when this starts. Again, remember, I'm not going to go too deep into this. So if you're like, man, there's so much that you're missing, I, we're not there yet. But I just want to just show you. So there's the captivity that takes place. This is the first captivity. Um, Daniel gets in a few of the choice, the select individuals, young men get taken to Babylon. There's a remnant that stays back. And you have Jeremiah, the prophet, who ministers to those who remain in Judah. Uh, you also have Ezekiel, another major prophet. And he is in Babylon as well. But he's not where Daniel is. Daniel's like in like the palace, so to speak. He's in the whole political affairs type thing. Ezekiel is ministering to all the other exiles in Babylon. Okay, so just so you understand Old Testament wise, some of these guys are running around the same time and all that, but that's kind of the breakdown. You still have a remnant in Israel and there's prophets there. You have Daniel who's been taken away with some other guys, placed in Nebuchadnezzar's kind of like palace area. And then you also have other individuals who were taken captive and they're basically settling in in Babylon. So that's kind of what's going on here. This is all judgment. This captivity takes place because God had been warning the nation of Israel. You need to give up your idolatry. You need to quit your sinful practices and all this stuff, your rebellion. And they didn't want to listen. And he told them, captivity is coming. You can turn and you can repent, or I'll just get a hold of you by using whoever I want to, to get a hold of you. Because I don't know if you're aware of this or not, you should be, but there's no ruler or authority on this planet who can act independently of God, okay? So I don't care who they are. You got some crazy dude in North Korea, that dude can't do anything without God allowing it to happen. You got other crazy people. Seems like we got a lot of crazy people in charge of the world nowadays, okay? So um, I don't know if you've ever taken the survey of all the world leaders. They're not all the best right now. They're just not. They're just not. But it doesn't matter if they're in the position where they're at. That's probably because God has allowed that to take place. And whatever decisions and all that good stuff, we have to rest in the fact that God is a sovereign God and he is in control. Now, if there are knuckleheads within this world, and there are, who are leading countries and nations, there'll be a price to pay for them in their own rebellion, okay? Uh, Jehoiakim, he gets to pay a price because he's part of the rebellion. He's part of the rebellion, and it's going to come heavy upon him. Uh, He'll watch some of his own family get taken away. So this is all what's happening. This is cause and effect. You want to live in rebellion against God? Well, then there's going to be an effect, and it's that of bondage, and it's of captivity. So that's where we find ourselves within Daniel. Yes, he is a prophet, Matthew 24. He's an efficient administrator. He's a brilliant guy, very intelligent young man, efficient administrator. You don't get to serve alongside four different Gentile rulers unless you know what you're doing, okay? Because they're not going to want to keep passing you on to the next guy, or the next guy is not going to want to keep you or make you a part of his team if you don't know what you're doing. So he's a very intelligent young man. At the start of the book of Daniel, we know that he is a young man. He's probably a teenager. 
and he's like the model youth. He's what all youth pastors want their students to be. He's what all parents want their young teenage boys to be. Be like Daniel. Be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He's a prayer warrior. Daniel's a prayer warrior. Daniel's like a prayer rebel, uh, is what I would call him, because even when they make it illegal to pray, he's like, you know what I think I'm going to go do? I think I'm going to go pray. (laughs) They're like, you can't pray. It's against the law. He's like, I think I need to go pray. I think I'm just going to go back up to my room, face to the east, and I'm going to pray. And I'm going to pray, or whichever direction he was facing. That's what he did, and it got him in trouble. Who cares? You know what he did when he got busted? He still prayed. He still prayed. You know what he did after that? He just kept praying. That's what he did. He's a prayer warrior. And the last thing, just a little note concerning Daniel, because we don't have a whole lot of background information for this guy. But one last little thing that we can say about Daniel, New Testament-wise, is Daniel was more than a conqueror. More than a conqueror, as Romans tells us, that you and I are in Christ. You're not just a conqueror. You are more than a conqueror. What does that mean? I have no idea. I have no clue. I don't know. I've read that verse. I've memorized that verse. I've read that verse in different Bible translations. You're more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. You're an overcomer, an overcomer. That's who Daniel was. He was an overcomer, more than a conqueror, taken from his home and you know, exiled to Babylon, 605 BC. He served successfully for like 60 years for like 60 years under like really horrible leaders, really bad guys, not the best, not the brightest. It doesn't seem like anyways. Some of these, we'll see them as we go. But four different Gentile rulers, Daniel was successful in his service and he was committed to the Lord. I wouldn't say the Lord Jesus. That's a little bit premature, but you get what I'm saying. He was committed to God, regardless of where he was at. Regardless of what was his circumstances, you know, what the circumstances were for him, uh, he was committed to God. And that commitment, as the book of Daniel will say, he purposes in his heart. He sets his heart upon doing this. And the one thing that he set his heart upon or his focus onto was serving God regardless of where he was. It didn't matter. He kind of reminds me of Joseph, because Joseph was taken away from his homeland. Now, Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. That's very nice of them. He ends up in Egypt, and he himself has purpose within his heart to honor God in all his decisions. And he was very successful, Joseph, where God had him. Now, God had caused all those things for the good of Joseph, and not just Joseph, for the nation of Israel. There was a reason why Joseph ended up in Egypt. But as a young man, similar to Daniel, he purposed in his heart to honor God in everything he did. Joseph, in a very pagan environment, very godless, meaning, you know, no worship of Yahweh, but lots of worship of other gods, Ra and Osiris, and the names go on and on. But again, another young man, purpose within his heart to honor God. Daniel goes to Babylon. Babylon has their own set of gods. They don't worship Yahweh or Adonai or, you know, whatever title you want to have for him. They had their own gods. But Daniel going into that, 
could have been bummed out, could have gone this way or that way, but he said, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to serve God. I'm just going to serve God. Where I'm at, regardless of my surroundings, regardless of my situations, here I am devoting myself to God. So Daniel, in the center of this political power, bearing witness of the one true God, showing us that it doesn't matter what time, what day and age in which you live, your current circumstances and surroundings, you can make a stand for God. And you can live that way. And you can live that way. And in fact, we should. We should. If Daniel were alive today, Daniel would be living his life in a way that honored the Lord. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I know that's their Babylonian names. Fine. But if they were around, they'd be making a stand for the Lord and not taking a knee. We'll get to that story later on. They were in the midst of an ungodly society. The pressure was, I mean, they experienced more pressure than we do. Please know that. Now, I know there's a lot of pressure for us living within this culture nowadays. And it's not like, hey, either bow down to this or to that, or we're going to throw you into a fiery furnace. We're not there yet. There are other pressures that are out there for sure. But these guys' lives, their lives were on the line. From the very beginning, their life was on the line. And they said, no, we will stand for God. We will stand for, we won't compromise. We will not compromise. In Daniel's journey, this little journey that God has him on, the first enemy he's going to encounter here beyond like getting, you know, stolen from his family and from his land, the first enemy he would encounter would be that of conformity and compromise. I mean, from chapter one, we'll see that as he, you know, the riches of Babylon are presented to him to indulge himself in. And there's a few different things, three different things that him and some of the other guys could have chosen to do. Considering the circumstances and the fact that, well, they all knew, I, we assume that they knew that, you know, God had been warning us and there were prophets telling us that this is going to happen and now it has happened. He could have gone this route when presented with all the um, riches that Babylon had to offer to him or to present themselves to him. He could have said, well, man, why should I honor God when he's got me in this position? I'm here in Babylon. Why should I honor him? I've been following him, and this is where it's gotten me, right? He could have gone that route. He could have been uh, bitter towards God for his current circumstances and situations, and then he could have chose, no, I'm going to compromise. I'm going to indulge myself. I'm going to turn my back on God, because if he's God who is sovereign, why am I here right now? He could have gone that route. Probably many of us have gone that route at times, but he didn't. The other thing he could have done was say, well, I'm here and uh, there's all these pagan gods. Maybe these gods are stronger than my God because I think I serve the one true God, but even in that, I'm, now I'm here. So maybe these guys have the answers. Maybe I can find truth, and maybe, they're, maybe they are more powerful than the one true God. Because I grew up in Israel, and you know, I didn't get this worldly experience. And now I go out into the world and, and you know, encounter this worldly stuff and learn about the, all these other religions. And maybe they, have, maybe they have the truth. 
He could have gone that way, but he didn't. He didn't go that way because he knew he had this conviction that the God of Israel is the one true God. We see that all the time as a youth pastor for so long. You see these stories unfold before you. The kids grow up in the church, and then they go out, and then they go out to like university and all this good stuff, right? And then they get exposed to all these other things. This, their worldview becomes bigger, right? It becomes bigger. And then other people are like, oh, no, no, no. But have you considered this? Have you looked into this belief system or this truth over here? Because I don't know if you know this, but truth is, well, it's kind of relative, What may have been true for you growing up in that household, that oppressive Christian household, right? We hear that all the time. That's, yeah, fantastic. You know, that was forced upon you, but now you're in the world, and and now here's all these other avenues of truth, and there it is, and stand firm that the God of Israel is still the one true God. He's still the one true God. As somebody who had done his own investigating before I got saved, I I can tell you this. Whatever other truths they're trying to present out there, they are worthless. They are worthless. And I don't care. And you can even see that within that Christian Hasai video. I mean, he believed in karma. Karma's garbage. It doesn't do anything for you. If I be a good person, the good things will happen to me. Well, what happens when bad stuff starts happening to you? You flush that theory down the toilet, right? That's not how it works. Here's the thing. Bad stuff happens to good people all the time. Bad stuff happens to Christians. Christ-honoring, God-following Christians. Bad things happen to people all the time. Does that shake your faith? Does that cause you to doubt the one true God? It shouldn't. It shouldn't. If you don't believe that, I would encourage you to spend a little bit of time getting to know a man named Job who was blameless in God's eyes. The one guy on the planet who Satan himself stood before God and said, what about Job? (laughs) Like, they're having this conversation. He's like, let me go after Job. He'll curse you. He'll turn his back on you. And God says, yeah, go for it. I'm like, wait, no, 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 no. And God's like, yeah, yeah, have at it. You just can't kill him. That's the parameter? Thanks, God. <laughs> That's the parameter. You just can't kill him. But yeah, have, go for it. Bad things happen to people. This is a tragic thing that happens to Daniel, but it didn't shake his faith. He stayed true to the one true God. Here's the other thing he could have done. This is similar to Joseph as well. Young man, now living in a faraway new country, new surroundings, all that good stuff. What happens in Babylon stays in Babylon. He could have adopted that mindset. Who's going to know? Who's going to know? All these other dudes are doing it. Who's going to know? I'll probably never go back to Israel. I'll probably never see my family again. So I can just abandon all the things that I know to be true and the things that I once was taught and raised with and all that stuff, and I'll just indulge myself into these things. Who's going to know? God knows. God knows. Joseph could have done the same thing. Joseph was even presented with many opportunities with 
Potiphar's wife, who was very aggressive. And Joseph could have indulged. He's a 17-year-old young man. I mean, come on, hormones are through the roof, right? He could have done whatever he wanted to. But he said no, because he's committed to God. Daniel, in Babylon, I mean, these delicacies that have been made available to him, we'll see once we get into chapter one. I mean, the food that they ate was not kosher. It wasn't going to be kosher. I mean, there's like bacon on the table, right? And these guys are like, what's that smell? It smells amazing. Well, it's bacon. We don't touch that. But some of that group were indulging in it. Daniel's like, no, I'm not going to compromise. I won't compromise. He's an admirable young man, a tremendous guy. And with all these excuses and opportunities to turn his back on God, he never did it. He never did it because his heart was set on following the Lord and honoring the Lord with anything and everything. And regardless of his circumstances, that's why we need to be like Daniel. We should strive to be like Daniel. You find yourself in difficult situations. Well, yes. I would highly encourage you to get familiar with the individual, read ahead. It's only 12 chapters, and the book reads incredibly fast. But get to know the individual, Daniel, and how he handled certain things. He prayed a lot. But here's the little breakdown I want to give to us. So how can we be like Daniel? This is where we start jumping around, okay? This is where you get kind of loosened up a little bit. So Matthew chapter 6, if you don't mind, turn in there. How can we be like Daniel? I just did three little things. Trust me, there's more than that, but I, and there's more scriptures I can share, but I just really want to hone in on three specific things. The first one is this. Step one in being like Daniel, you have to trust the Lord. It all starts there. You have to trust the Lord. So if you look in Matthew chapter 6, I'm going to start in verse 24, because I think this is pretty apropos for Daniel's scenario and probably for ours as well. Jesus is telling everybody within the crowd, within the audience, listening to him, he says, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Well, Okay, there you go. Um, Jesus, he just throws it down. He's like, listen, you can only serve one God. The, your heart is not set up to be a divided heart. It's one throne within your heart and your soul. One throne, which means that only one person or thing can occupy space on that one throne. And it is either God or it's not. Because he, God, does not share the throne with anybody else. So Jesus is breaking it down very simply for them and for us. You can't serve two masters. It's actually impossible to serve two masters. You love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul. Or you love something else. It's that simple. It's that simple. It doesn't mean that you can't like have God on the throne of your heart and then you despise everything else. That's not what he's saying because... The things that oftentimes take place on that throne or we dethrone God and place these other things on there can be good things. They can be good things. It could be family. It could be loved ones. Hope to the hopeless 
Thanks for joining us today on Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. Pastor James has been teaching through the book of Daniel. In it, you'll notice many interesting storylines through Daniel's life. He was exiled from his birthplace and was an alien in a foreign country for the rest of his life. What would it be like to live in a country that wasn't yours for all of your adult life? Would you wallow in self-pity because of your circumstances, or would you make the most of where God chose to use you? Daniel did the latter, making an impact in a wicked country that worshipped foreign gods. But God still used him in a mighty way. God can do the same with you today as you live your life in a country and world that you might not belong in. You may feel outnumbered and surrounded by idolatry of all sorts, but God can still use you greatly, even in this ministry. Bread for the Broken is a ministry of Calvary Galveston, and we'd be honored if you'd pray with us for all of those who are a part of our listening audience. Pray that God would open their hearts and minds to His truth. Would you also pray about partnering with us financially? All donations are appreciated no matter what the size is. You can give securely online at breadforthebroken.com. Thanks for coming alongside us in sharing the gospel message. There's much more to learn and glean from the Old Testament book of Daniel, including prophecy and faith. We hope you'll tune in again for another edition with Pastor James, as he has more to share about the life of Daniel here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you.